Well, thank you for making this part of your Christmas. Um, I, well, I'm not going to go there. I'm going to go right here. Um, man, it's just so good to, to be with you all. Um, I, I love Christmas. I absolutely love Christmas um, because it celebrates the coming of Christ, the, the light of the world, the one who changed it all. And he changed my life, and he changed a lot of lives in here. But tonight I want to start with a really important question. It's for the kids. How many kids here like donuts? Yeah? Yeah. What's your favorite kind of donut? Chocolate, vanilla. Jelly one? Yeah? Okay. All right. Cool, cool. I, I like donuts too. I actually love donuts. And uh, I want to tell you about a time I made a long journey to eat a few donuts. Long journey. It was Christmas break 2002. I was 18 years old. It was, I had nothing to do. And so my friend Jonah called me up and he said, you know, I heard they, they uh, I, I heard that there's a new donut place uh, that just came out, but it's three hours away. And I was like, what, what is it? Krispy Kreme. Right? Krispy Kreme, that's amazing. So we decided to jump in my car and drive from Hillsboro, Oregon to Issaquah, Washington to partake in the glory of Krispy Kreme. We had heard that when you get there, they hand you a fresh donut right off the line. We had heard it would be like, uh, unlike anything we had ever tasted before. And as we drove, we passed about a thousand donut places. <laughs> but there was one that was Krispy Kreme. When we went, we practiced a maneuver called the Tacoma Slide that we dubbed, where you cross four lanes of traffic all in one swoop. I don't recommend that, kids. Um, but we made it. And we made it, and it was starting to get dark, and, and, and we got out of the car, and here it is, shining in all its glory, Krispy Kreme, right in front of a Home Depot. Krispy Kreme. It's glorious. And you walk, we walked in, and we could smell how good it was. And they did. They handed us a donut right off the line. And it was really, really good. It was very, very tasty. And it warmed our 18-year-old hearts. And I even wore the hat that they gave out, the donut, donut hat. Anyways, tonight we're going to talk about a similar journey uh, that was much more glorious than a day trip to Krispy Kreme. Um, in Matthew 2, it talks about wise men that we just saw, tra that traveled a great distance to marvel in the glory of a newborn king. They were men, wise men from the legacy of Daniel. Most people think they came from Persia, which is about a thousand miles away. And they had been watching for a sign of a king that would come and save the world. And they were watching for it in the sky. They were watching for a star. These were not Jews, these were Gentiles, only familiar with the story because of the legacy of Daniel. And then one night they saw a star, and it went from the east to the west, and it stopped. And this was their sign. They knew to follow the star to find the Savior. So tonight, we're going to read that uh, section of Scripture, that part of the story, um, and, and get the Christmas story from the eyes of the wise men. 
So we're going to go ahead and read Matthew 2, verse 1 tonight. If you don't have a Bible with you, you can just uh, read along on the screen. This is what it says. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed in all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed and worshipped him. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. That's the story. And what I find amazing about this story is that all that these guys wanted to do was to see Jesus. All they wanted to do, that was it. That was the whole plan. They wanted to travel a thousand miles just to see the baby king. You would have to think that they would travel on camels for a thousand miles through the desert. That's, not, that, that's I'm assuming, not super comfortable and no AC. Um, that's a lot of effort to see a child. The experts think that it took probably three to 12 months for them to make that trip. Not only that, it took weeks for them to prepare everything they needed for that trip, but they were compelled. They just wanted to worship the king. Discerning what the star they had seen from God, they took off with the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. This wasn't an impulsive road trip. This wasn't like a craving or, hey, I'll stop by after I go somewhere else. They were specific about wanting to see this king who would save the world, and they wanted to worship him. That was enough reason to go, just to behold King Jesus. And we gather here for a lot of different reasons. Um, you may have had a child up here in the, in, in the performance tonight, or a grandkid. This may be your home church. You may be invited here. Um, where, where, whatever you come, I just want you to know that tonight is really about one thing. It's about celebrating the king that God sent to redeem the world. It's about celebrating Jesus. That's what we do on Christmas. We get a chance to stop what we're doing and just behold him. Like the wise men did two millennia ago. Like the wise men, we celebrate the king because he is worthy he is worthy to be celebrated, way more worthy than Krispy Kreme donuts. He's worthy of our worship. He's worthy, worthy of our time, our effort, and our difficult journeys in life. He's worthy of our affection and our obedience. And so the question that we all have to answer is if he's worthy to us. Is he worthy of your worship tonight? 
We make Christmas about a lot of great things. Family, family reunions, giving gifts, uh, Christmas parties, vacation, good things. But what about Christ? What place does Christ have in your heart? Is he worthy of your attention? Our lives tell the story about what we worship. We don't just worship in a moment. We worship with our whole lives. It's about our whole lives. The wise men spent a brief amount of time before King Jesus. But was that the only time that they worshiped? No, they worshiped with every step they took to get there. Their focus, their direction, every step was to get closer to Jesus. They weren't just stopping by Mary and Joseph's on the way to dinner. Jesus was their sole focus. He was the reason that they took every single step. Years ago, I drove three hours with a single thought, a donut, right? I was driven by, by, um, by my belly. I wanted donuts. But I wonder if we ever stop and think about what is driving us in life. Why do we go from place to place, or why do we work? What are we working towards? Maybe what's driving us is a, is a better uh, life for us and our family, a new work situation, a new living situation. Maybe you're driven by a personal dream that you've had for a while. If we were to look at your calendar and your bank statement, what would that tell us about how, what's driving you? I also recognize tonight that some of you may just be in a season where you're driven to survive, that it's been a tough year, and you come here just looking to survive, longing for rescue. And I want to tell you that the baby that we celebrate that came, Christ, is God made accessible to us for our rescue. It's a part of it. And it's, it's also possible, I know this, it's also possible to not know what's driving us in life. Um, that's what Brian Mann, a professor at Emory University, said. He talks about how we can be so driven in what we do, but not actually understand why we do it. He said, frankly, I wonder about our culture's lionization of ambition. I suppose it's all right to sprint after whatever we, it is we really want, to pursue it with tireless diligence and great passion. But one fact diminishes my would-be enthusiasm considerably. Few, if any of us, seem to have a clue about what it is we really want. Maybe we're just going through the motions of life. We're just doing what we, we think we should be doing without really thinking about where we're headed. In contrast, the wise men knew where they were headed. The wise men knew what they wanted. The wise men just wanted to see Jesus. They just wanted to worship Christ. And I'll confess, as a pastor, I often wrestle with my own ambitions. I spent a lot of time in my life wrestling with my own ambitions, uh, my, my own pursuit of comfort, uh, my own pursuit of success, importance, and often those things make it hard for me to, to uh, spend time with Jesus. Sometimes I try to live a life that other people would admire more than making Jesus or more than pointing people to Jesus so that they can admire him. And over 39 years, God's been chipping away at that, that self-centeredness, so that I can be more of a worshiper of Christ. And what I want you to see tonight is this, that the wise don't worship their own importance and impulses. They worship the king. 
the wise people are wise because they know who to worship, not themselves. These wise men were wise because they knew what was truly worthy of worship. Proverbs 1 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Like, if you want to be wise, it all starts with who do you worship? Who are you worshiping? They didn't travel a thousand miles to boost their ego. They, didn't, they traveled a thousand miles to bless the king. Most mornings, I try to get up around 5, sometimes 5.30, and just spend time with the king. I try to read my Bible and pray and spend time connecting with God. And a couple weeks ago, during this time, a couple weeks ago, I was drawn to Psalm 27. And I read these words that were written a long time ago by King David. He said, One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. This verse here speaks of a very specific ambition, to be close to God. That's the ambition. David's single ambition in life was to behold the beauty of the Lord, to worship him, to see God, to dwell in his house, to stay by his side. And like the wise men, David knew what he really wanted. That's what he really wanted. That was his ambition. He wanted to worship the true king. You also need to know that David was a pretty messy person. He didn't always get it right. He made some huge mistakes. Yet God did rescue him. It's because his heart remained focused on seeking the Lord. And so as I read this, I, I thought, man, God, what if I could just make my life that simple? What if I could kind of crowd out the other ambitions that kind of sneak in there, the selfish thoughts that I have? What if I could just push them away? And, and man, if I could just get in a place where you are my only focus, I bet that would be pretty good, right? I think that would be great. And, and so I prayed, like, God, give me a heart that has one focus. Give me a heart that has one focus that only wants you. And that's basically what this psalm points us towards. It says, worship God and allow him to take care of the rest. Worship God and, and let him bring you up to a high place. Let him put your feet on a rock. Trust him to keep you safe and secure, to provide. And that's why we celebrate. That's why it's good news. Jesus' arrival is good news. It's good news to the world. It, it says the world before Christ is fumbling around in the darkness. We need a light. And Christ is that light. Christ is that light. One thing I ask from the Lord, like the wise men, seeing Jesus should drive us. You know, I have plenty of distractions and difficulties that get in the way of me seeing Christ. We all do. And we all come in tonight with our own worries and concerns. We could get a whiteboard, a couple, like a whiteboard from wall to wall, write down all the worries and concerns that we've walked in with. And it'd just be endless. You know, whether it's related to your job, your family, whether it's related to addiction or finances, health problems. Oh yeah, it's an election year next year. That's gonna be interesting. Uh, whether it's the, the wars going on in the world. Those are just some small things, right? 
And we could just bring up the whiteboards. We could, sh we could shout out all these things that distract us. And what would it tell us is that there's so much going on in the world. Sometimes it's really hard to just see Jesus through all the stuff, through all the things. And in order to see Jesus, we've got to be intentional. We've got to be like the wise men who pursued him with every step. We have to make Christ our one ambition. There is a lot going on, but the wise men remind us that you have to be intentional to see Jesus. You've got to decide more than anything, I want to pursue Christ in my life right now. And I'll trust him with all the stuff on the whiteboard. And the wise men made a choice. They acted on very little information. A star in the sky. All right, you got to have a lot of faith. That star's right to go a thousand miles. Um, that they acted on very little information, but they, they went and got honored their decision. Now, when they got to Jerusalem, they ran into a guy named King Herod. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> King Herod had an ambition, too. King Herod's ambition was to preserve his throne. Uh, King Herod the Great was an old man at this point. He was just clinging on to life. But he was a maniac. He was an absolute maniac. He was the opposite of the baby king that they would find in the, in the, um, with Mary and Joseph. King Herod killed his own sons because they thought that he, they might want to take the throne from him. King Herod ordered that when he died that they kill popular rabbis so that the whole nation would mourn thinking that they wouldn't mourn when he died. They didn't carry it out, but it just shows you that King Herod was about King Herod. He wasn't about anybody else. He was about King Herod. King Jesus was the opposite. He was born a humble child without any political power. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. He came to serve. He came to heal. He came to bring life. Herod, in order to preserve his own life, killed others. Christ, in order to save our lives, was crucified on a Roman cross. So the wise men knew who, which king they wanted to worship. And when they got to Herod's palace, they asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. The wise men knew which king to worship. And King Herod was disturbed, and he tried to find out what was going on so, they, so they, that he could, he could remove the threat. But he ended up not being helpful to the wise men's pursuit. Fortunately, God came through. There was a star. And it says, after they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They left Herod's feeling troubled. God shone a star. God didn't let them down. He didn't leave them hanging. And they rejoiced. They praised God when they saw that star. And they went and they worshipped King Jesus in a house. So this is not technically at the manger. It's a little bit later in a house. And they gave him expensive gifts, each with its own unique significance. Gold, which is the symbol of kingship. Frankincense, which is an incense that symbolizes deity. And myrrh, which is an embalming oil symbolizing death. And it was a powerful time of worship, and they bowed down to the baby. 
My only prayer for you is that this Christmas that you could celebrate like the wise men, that you could see Jesus anew. Whether you have never seen Christ or you have or, or wherever you're at, my hope is that you can, you can just behold the beauty of the Lord, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, to see what he's done for you. Only Jesus can bring light to darkness. Only Jesus can reunite us with the Father God. Only Jesus can save our souls from death and give us new life. And so only Jesus is worthy. Only Jesus is worthy of our worship, of our lives. He's the only king who laid down his life for you on a cross. And so, friends, tonight we worship King Jesus, the light of the world. And we're going to end our time by worshiping together. And we have candles, and there's going to be a moment when we sing Silent Night together where we're going to light that candle. And what that represents is Jesus, the light coming into, uh, coming into a dark world. As the worship team comes on up, I just want to end with this. This is from Isaiah, a prophecy 700 years before Christ. Prophecy of, of, of this Christ who would come. And it says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Christ is light. He reveals who we are. He shows up on the edge of our understanding and reveals who we are, who God is, and who we were made to be. So I hope that this moment is a moment where you get to see the beauty of Christ. Let this be a moment where maybe you ask Jesus to show himself to you this year. Maybe this is a moment where you decide, Jesus, I'm all in. And my, my charge to you tonight is to make Christ your total ambition because he's worthy. There's a lot of other things in life you can pursue that aren't worthy. Make Christ your ambition. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for Christmas. And I thank you for this chance to remember the greatest gift we were ever given, the light of the world, the light that, that shines on our darkness, that shines on our lives, God, that brings light to us. God, we don't know where to go, and you show us where to go. Lord, you bring safety and security. God, you bring hope. You bring love, healing, and joy. So we just continue to praise you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's stand and, and we'll continue in worship.